1: That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
2: Well, everyone, thank you for listening and welcome to Ammo and Danny's Irish Shelfield Road. Well, Danny, uh, we're now filming this pod on the 1st of June and the world has taken, um, a turn for the good, the Premier League and the Championship are back. Um the league is coming back. Um and everything's looking positive. So in typical Ammo and Danny form, um our subject today, um, after we've got to see what open up to this week, <laughs> is five things we hate about football. <laughs> so, so every week is my moaning and then everything's looking up and positive and we're gonna do a bit of moaning again, but I mean <laughs> There you go. The life of a football fan. But anyway, what have you been up to this
0: week? How are you keeping, Danny? Doing good. I think we can't complain this week, can we? Too. I know we're about to spend the entire podcast complaining. But we can't complain in terms of how our week's been. The sun has come out. It has been gorgeous this week, and it's just been amazing. Got the paddling pool out for the kids. Been able to do all of my exercises outside. Got the the t shirt tan going on. Can't complain. Like it's been a it's been a good week all and all. Just nice just to spend a bit of time with the kids. And I think, as you said, because it's at the stage where it's starting to look up, where things are starting to look like it's going to go to some form of normality. I think I'm at the stage where I'm just trying to enjoy this time that I've got, where I'm at home with the kids, you know, to spend time with my family and stuff. And I think now that we know that there's a real ending in sight, it's a case of just trying to enjoy the time that we've got. So, yeah, so I haven't really been doing all that much. I think um, this weekend, especially just literally sat in the garden all weekend. Uh, and it was great, and I loved it. So, what about what about you? i role all spending time with the family, and you know,
2: it's, as as we've said in previous, but it's back to basics and just kind of enjoying the basic things and you know, spending time with your family, appreciating stuff, mm. evaluating everything in your life, and you know what you want to do. And you know what, as you say, you think that you're bored, and you but the days flying. You know, you, you think that you've you know, every, but you, we've kind of adapted to it now. So the scary thing is is when we come back out completely, it's adapting again. But as you said, it's kind of appreciating these last couple of weeks, or maybe whatever we've got to, kind of not be out and about all the time, and and yeah. actually appreciate being there with your family and appreciating the time that you have. So same really, Danny. Um, you know, a year to the day, which is quite funny that we're recording this pod. Liverpool won the sixth European Cup. Oh yeah, and it, it seems like a long, long time ago. The way we could mix, and we were both at the you know, at at the trophy parade. A year ago tomorrow it would be, yeah. And uh, it's just mad. It's mad to think that's been a year since I've won the European Cup. You know, according to the date that we record this pod, um, what's the first of June as we, as we speak, as I say. But um, yeah. I mean, not much. Just kind of looking forward to football coming back. Um, but yeah, as I say, <laughs> not much has changed in our lives. As I say, things are looking positive. But our subject today is our top five things that we hate. Or we would want to change about football. There's not, we haven't polled or voted, this is just personal to me and you. We've discussed it briefly beforehand which we don't normally do but we, when, when we did briefly discuss there's only one thing that we had in common so what I'll ask you Danny to do, um, it's going to be hard to name five to one so what I'll get you to do is if you name four of your top five and we'll discuss them and then just your one that is your biggest pet eight maybe and then I'll do the same and we'll, let's just see see where this goes I think, the best thing Good to do and not to, not to um forget we've got our guest on a bit later on as well um, Matthew Purchase he's a huge Liverpool fan Um he travels um, con- across the country home and away following Liverpool and we thought it'd be good to get the insight of a you know a football fan that travels home and away and is literally doesn't miss a game so um, well he in our second part of the show but our first part of the show. so yeah tell me basically Danny what do you hate about football <laughs> what are the things that you personally would change
0: this is a bit like when we'd done it a couple of weeks ago. We'd done something um, talking about the most hated players in football. And I thought to myself, yeah, yeah. when you gave me the topic, I thought to myself, I don't really hate anyone. And then I started looking into it and I was like, I actually hate a load of people. Um, <laughs> and, it, and it was the same with this. I was like, I don't really hate anything about football. I love football. Generally, it's a, it's a great sport. And then I started looking into it and I was like, there's tons of stuff I really hate about football. So... I've put it down, as you said, I can't really decide on a like, five to one, um, but I'm just going to go through, I'm going to tell you some of the things I've written down. First of all, first thing came to my head straight away when you mentioned this topic to me, half and half scarves, hate them, absolutely hate them, I, there's nothing worse on a match day when it cuts to like Sky Sports, and I've seen it, Jordan, like, the derby and stuff. There's nothing worse than when there's a big rival game, Sky Sports or BT Sports or whoever's covering it, and it's like getting psyched up for the game. And there's some dope walking round in a half-Everton, half-Liverpool scarf around the ground, and you're going, what's the matter with you? I just don't get it. it. just doesn't make any sense to me at all. And you see it for like all these random teams for Wolves versus Aston Villa, half-and-half scarves. Who cares? Who cares about a half
2: and half scarf? So it just it doesn't make no sense. It's, it's not like to see them to put a bit of a, a, a the up for this. is it not like kind of a good way to um you know remember the occasion. You know the way I look at it is I remember like I've never really got a half and half scarf that I remember. Um, but one time I did definitely got one was Liverpool versus Manchester City in the um the League Cup final. I think it was two thousand fifteen sixteen season, and um, we got beat, I got a half and half scarf. And for me, it was like, well, that's the first time I've been to a Liverpool Cup final, so I want to remember this occasion mm. with the half-and-half half scarf. But in saying that, I got absolutely ripped for it. I got tortured for it. I got absolutely, Good. you know, I got rinsed, as a as south would say, you know, and I couldn't understand why, I think, well, you know, I'm not, it's not like I'm getting a Liverpool United scarf or whatever, but I was just, I've got a, a, a scarf to, you know, remember the, the my first Cup final as a Liverpool fan. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I got absolutely ripped for it and I never understood it, but, I suppose that's just some people's views, isn't it? Like, it's, I see what you're saying. But for me, you know, if, if you're a child or you want to remember the occasion, that's a
0: good way to remember the occasion, I suppose. Especially European nights, anyway. Um, I think European nights are a little bit different. I think when you've got European cup, clubs coming along, then that's a little bit different in the sense of being able to get them. As you said, it's a bit more of the occasion, stuff like that. Yes, if there's like Liverpool, Real Madrid, it might be a little bit different or whatever. Uh, I still wouldn't get one, but I can see why other people do it. Um, but in terms of like other clubs in the Premier League, we are battling against other teams to win this Premier League. We don't care about any other teams. We don't want other teams to win. We'll look past the fact that you, you got a half mouth scarf that included a Manchester team and we'll look past that. I'm sure other people will comment <laughs> on that. But uh, uh, I can see I can see why you got ripped though. I think, do you know what, if you if you want to remember the occasion, take a photo. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah I did I took a photo
2: On social media But yeah There we go That's fair enough So yeah, so that's one So we've got another four What's next
0: Danny? Getting the ball out of play Don't get it Don't understand it at all Especially in big moments of games I hate these things where A team's player goes down They pass the ball around For a little while You intercept Start to go on an attack And the whole team is shouting For you to kick the ball out of play So that they can be seen to By a physio or whatever So what? Get him off the pitch yourself, pull him off the pitch i don't get why I don't get why there has to be this sort of camaraderie of pull put the ball out of play like unless he's li- unless he's literally bleeding from the face, we shouldn't be kicking the ball out of play. I think that's not for me it's not sport something has creeped into the game that's that's ridiculous. I completely agree.
2: But I think what it is is people want to get like the tactics, and uh, sorry, people want to get the shape and discuss tactics, yeah. and I know I'm a drink and all that type of stuff. And do you know what? I can totally, I totally agree, yeah. But I think it's just it's, it's, I think it's more gamesmanship than on sportsmanship. It's a bit like in tennis when certain tennis players take they like they've got thirty seconds in between points, but they always take forty, and they're mm. always at the cusp. It's just it's a root. It's like a it's something that you can manipulate within a game, but you just kind of get away with. And at the end of the day, with head injuries and stuff, I agree about that. But then, I mean, the way I look at it is, you know, if, if a fellow broke his leg, doesn't mean he should. I think he should stop the game because. Yeah. But I, 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 I get what you're saying. I can. Under, it's frustrating when it's your team. You know, Liverpool need to score. You know, and someone like a a bomber for something or putting the ball out to play and it's at home and it's frustrating. But that's that's all part and part of it. Although I do hate it. I agree.
0: I agree. Yeah. It's just frustrating, like as you said, if there's a if there's a literal legitimate injury, if so, if two people clashed heads, they hit the deck. That's why, obviously, they brought in the rule a couple of seasons ago. The head injuries, referee blows the whistle. That Makes sense. Um, yep, if someone yep. broke the leg, or if someone has a real bad injury that you know is rough, um, it happened to Everton early in the season, didn't he? That it was just a bit of a, a not an injury, but yeah, it, it broke the guy's leg, and. But straight away, ball kicked out of play, everyone surrounds him, make sure he's okay. That is perfectly fine. But when you know, and I think the worst one for it that always springs to my my mind, was always David Luiz for Chelsea. Anytime Chelsea were up and you were in anything past the 75th minute, David Luiz was purposely looking for someone to nudge into him or go up against him in any sort of way, shape or form. And He was on that deck and he was rolling around until... And his whole team were like, kick the ball out, kick the out. And you know that there's nothing wrong with them at all. But there's this sort of yeah. expectation in football. And it's like, oh, no, well, if someone's on the floor, you should kick the ball out. Not a chance. I know I wouldn't be. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. Well, point well made. What's your next one, Danny? Um, next one is, which I think a lot of people will agree with. And I think especially from a defensive point of view, it frustrates me every time I see it. Zonal marking. I hate zonal marking. <laughs> I just yes. I don't understand it. I don't understand this thing of, right, you've got this invisible square that you've got to mark, and you've got this invisible square that you've got to mark. And Their team is just running in and out. No one knows who's marking who. And this is where you've got this whole thing. Now, I think um, Peter Crouch was talking about it on his podcast as well, of the amount of times he got beat by zonal marking because oh. a player would just cut in front of him because he'd be like, oh, this guy's in my box. So I'm marking him, and if they stuck two players in his box, it's game over. He couldn't mark both of them. But it was like, oh no, it's your responsibility. Like man-to-man marking has worked for years. It works at grassroots level. It works all the way up. I don't. I don't get where this zonal marking system came from. And I know Benitez has done it for a while at Liverpool, and it just it didn't it didn't work. And for me, it just it, I've never seen it successfully done with a team.
2: I um, I agree, and I don't think Carragher ever zonal marked. If you look at Jamie Carragher and even Skirtle in the, in the later half of the, day, he's like, they never they never marked they never zonal marked they man marked. And I, I agree because I've actually never played against one team in my life that they zonal marked. I remember playing against the Sam. I can't remember it was the very early days um of zonal marking, but it was my late days in Liverpool, and I remember playing against a team that zonal marked, and see the team themselves on the ball technically, mm. they were brilliant. I scored two headers that day. Do you know why? Because they zone them off, and but they were these. It was a team that were trying to be better than they thought they were. Now they won the game, I have to say, but I scored two headers, and I was like, I, I like teams that zone them off. I see the, I see the principle, but I see like why it could work well if you've got like five six fellas, that are six foot five. Do you know, I. But nah, it's stupid because at the end of the day, as you say, two people go one area, boom, you're beaten, and then everyone just kind of look around each other. Don't they? It's, how many goals you see in like the Premier League where? like a goal gets scored by a header and then everyone's like looking at each other and, and no one takes responsibility because how are you meant to determine who's in whose area and if you've if you got your man if you're marking a man like for like man for man that, it's an old saying in football isn't it man for man yeah I always I remember um, a little story to tell our listeners me and Danny um, last year we played football and we, we play on like an astral pitch but it's uh, I would take three quarter length pitch it's not quite a full pitch but we play nine a side wouldn't we yeah and it's uh, <laughs> just a few times where me and Danny've been against each other, and we've been going up in the in the air for balls and stuff. And uh, let's just say that Danny marks man for man, And <laughs> <laughs> a nice and close man for, man for man mark. <laughs> I've been on the uh, I've been on the receiving end for it, but it's uh,
0: it's all part of the banter and part of the fun, isn't it? And that's the thing, and you see, especially in the Premier League, is that I've noticed this season, especially because of the fact that for the first time in a little while, probably since Sammy Hippier days. The Virgil van Dijk is obviously, coming up from the back, is quality in terms of being able to get his head onto the ball. And you can see that he reads the situation. You look at most of van Dijk's headed goals this season, it's because he's read the team in the first corner, sees what area they're in when they're zonal marking, and he jumps into the area with the smallest guy. And for me, that makes no sense. Surely, if you're man marking, you put your biggest guy onto their biggest guy. But because yeah, you're getting yeah. marking, it's like, oh no, you're, you're back post little five foot six winger and, and Van Dyke will just go in and go up against them. It's like, put the ball in to that guy there, I'll beat him in the air and put the ball into the back of the net. And they don't change. That's the thing is that managers are so rigid on it that it's like, oh no, no, we've got to stick as it is, we've got to keep with it, we've got to keep going. And like you see countless goals coming from it and it's uh, it's good for football. You see more goals but at the same time I just hate it as a Would Well, do you know what Quite well made
2: so that's, so that's a three we've had
0: yeah. what's your last one before you give your top one I suppose last one which I think links into your one if you're going to give your top four next is diving and I think everyone's going to have it up on their list if you think of the thing, things that you hate specifically I hate diving for the sake of wasting time and I, t- I touched on it just <laughs> before um, but I hate this whole like get into the last part of the game you win on one nil and purposely jumping over. As I said David Luis is a classic forward. it. So many other players that were that are big into it as well. And you've seen Yeah, drug we used to do it a lot. Um you get different players doing it now, and we can go through countless different names and we'll start slagging everyone. But diving for the sake of wasting time, I do, it doesn't bother me, and this might sound controversial, but it doesn't bother me players diving to get penalties. It doesn't bother me at all. I hate it when it happens against your team, but for the same time it's anything to try and get an advantage and you want your team to win and that, that level that Premier League, Champions League, those types of things, you want to get any advantage possible and if that means Danny, that you can run fast, get a little bit of a net and go over, it, it happens and I, I don't necessarily mind. I have to say,
2: it. I agree on the diving but then you've just said you, you don't mind people diving in the area okay, and you say, but it's anything to get your advantage but could you argue that someone's diving on the off-way line, them going down Sometimes the ball does get kicked out of play. 30 seconds to regroup if you're under pressure. 30 seconds to take a bit of water and get your shape back. Is that not getting a little bit of an advantage as well?
0: It is, it is, but it, it's what, it annoys me more, I think, is, is the only honest <laughs> way that I can say it. Is if you've got boys purposely looking for a stray leg, or those boys that just like wait for the shoulder-to-shoulder challenge and then properly hit the death and start rolling around, it just... Frustrates the life out of because again it leads back to that at the point that you've then got to get the ball out of play. It takes tons of time, and it's just it's a frustrating thing to watch. And diving for a penalty, obviously, I don't, I wouldn't do it myself. But at the same time, to see, to see it happening in a penalty area, I, I know that I know why strikers do it, but diving yeah. in the middle of the pitch, I think for me is just an absolute
2: wimps game. Well, Michael Owen. I know Michael Owen done it famously in the World Cup, didn't he? And then, yeah. I think I have to say there's lots of players. I met, Ronaldo was famous for back in the day. Even Robin used to be awful for it. Yeah, back in the day, I've even seen Steven Gerrard do it. And any Liverpool fan that turns out says he hasn't done it. He has. I've Steven. I've seen Steven Gerrard a couple of occasions. What what? Like Gerrard used to do, he'd leave his leg hanging. Yeah, he'd leave his leg hanging, and that was a you know, Even Rune, I've seen
0: Rooney do it. Yeah. Biggest no, but version yeah, no, that, obviously, for Gerards was the Champions League final, 2005. He, yeah, he, he got nicked, but he left his leg right out to fall over that. Yeah, but that's the thing. I mean, I don't think
2: anyone likes diving, but I think it's one of those things. that yeah, I don't think it'll go from the game now. I think it's, been a, it's in the game, and I can't see him being eradicated because referees are too inconsistent. Mm. People are doing blatant dives, getting penalties, and there's people that are like... You know, it could be a 50-50, and then they get in the yellow car for diving, and they haven't even dived. And then it, I think a reputation of a player does, you know, help on. So because I've, I've heard of watching programs in the past where players have said the referees warned them before the game, no diving today. Mm. You know what I mean? So, you know, if you look at someone like Zahar, say, Crystal Palace, he's like the most fouled player in the league, he dives as well. Do you know what I mean? So it, it's a hard one because, you know, how many fouls is actually legit, legitimate? Can he stay up for them? Can not? So I always remember like Suarez, the, the good case about Suarez is he never really. I've never really seen Suarez. He would dive in like a. He used to dive late, so like you know, if yeah. one of where, if it was the thing about Suarez, used to make me laugh, is he got fouled and stayed up and then dive because yeah. he hasn't got the penalty, <laughs> but he always used to try and stay up. Yeah, so it's funny, but yeah, no, hundred percent diving thing singles. That's four you give me, isn't it? Yep, that's my t- that's my top four. So I'll go through my top four and then we'll go number ones, will we? Good. So, uh one thing I would hate or change about football is offsides Uh, the reason I change offsides is is that much controversy over it I just think to myself just just scrap it back in that day just before we watched football they they got rid of the back pass where you could pick her up and it improved the game I think get rid of offsides because at the end of the day it's always going to it's going to create more goals which is what we like to see well some of us like to see Danny (laughs) no I think we should just get rid of offsides too much controversy and when it come, you put the argument of VAR into it as well I mean how many goals you see and you think, well, great goal, hey, and then they're getting, like, ruled offside for, like, a, a toe or mm. half an inch or an elbow offside or something. It's just, it's just, and it just wrecks the game. You know what I mean? So fair enough, keep fair are, but when it comes to offside, it's just got to get rid of offsides. Because at the end of the day, I'd say about 90% of their challenges or such, are because of offside. So mm. for me, just get rid of the game. And as someone that hasn't got a lot of pace <laughs> playing football... <laughs> it would work in my benefit as well because, you know, you know it's so hard not to get caught offside when you've got no pace because you're like, well, how am I going to gain that advantage
0: that if I don't have the pace, you know? Yeah. i just love to see what football was like if there was no offsides at all. Just that whole thing of just, def- just the defence running out after the corner, all legging it up the pitch and just one striker just hanging on the goalkeeper just at the opposite end of the field, just waiting for the big hoof over the top. Um, as you said I think it's become too much it's almost opposite end of the swing now isn't it the we've gone from a no offsides which I think to say no offsides at all I think boys will go "Whoa, wow um, be such a big change but now as you said it's at the stage now where even if it's a tight margin they've got to go back they've got to spend two minutes looking at it you're, you're offside by the edge of your booth in comparison to someone else stuff like that is has become ridiculous within football
2: well that's the thing as well I mean you tend to find that whenever someone gets ruled out of for offside um, and it takes ages that it's going to get changed, type of thing, because you know they're looking at, looking at it and looking at it and looking at it and looking at it. And I think it just takes a bit of the joy, it takes the joy out of the celebration if it's going to be ruled out. And you just got rid of the rule. I don't think the game would change that much, in my opinion, because it just means you have to step a couple of steps back. Mm. Or, you know, don't get me wrong, t- 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 it's a traditional rule. So I- I- I'd say people will be arguing and saying, no, nah, but for me, Get rid of it. Um, my my second one, disrespect to the cup competitions, the league cup and and the FA Cup. Me growing up, I've, I've had some of the best moments. Like a lot of my matches when I went to as a kid were league cup and FA Cup matches because they were easy to get tickets and stuff. And um, I think growing up, it was always like, in my opinion, I could I I I could be wrong, even from watching the matches and stuff. It was all maybe 15, 20 years ago. The cup competitions, you'd maybe change two, or three players. You know, you might give like your main striker, your main midfield, and your main defender. The rest, maybe change the goalkeeper. You know, but it's gone from like almost playing, gone one from making a couple of changes to can- completely change the teams. Mm-hmm. And fair enough for the real top teams. If you're fighting for the European Cup, are you Liverpool? If you're fighting the Premier League, you know I can see that. I grew up watching the the, the you know the teams make a couple of changes and then. It's all this wholesale changes now. And I always used to like the fact that, you know, your, your mid-table teams, the likes of Everton's, Aston Villa's and teams like that, they would always play strong lineups because they think, this is, this is a chance to beat Liverpool, this is a chance to beat United. And it was all, that would always be an even. But now even, even championship teams are playing second, second teams now. Mm. And it's like, I just think it's disrespectful the cup competitions because at the end of the day, there's only a, a few chances to win a cup. I actually think there's a lot of teams out there now that would rather finish in like, the top 10 than win the league cup or an FA cup or something, and it's like you look at the fans and what it means. Football's about winning trophies at the end of the day, so I say a bit of leeway to the top teams because they have Champions League and European football. Particularly, I feel sorry for like the teams that play, you know, UEFA Cup. Mm. I know, fair enough, I remember like there's been teams who have had to play UEFA Cup, then playing the championship, Wigan a few years ago, and I think Millwall before that. I get that there's lots of games, I get that there's lots of injuries and all
0: that stuff, but at the end of the day. Respect the cup competitions because you know it's not like you've got another three cups to pay for, is it? You know, yeah. I think the thing is with it, which you've seen, is that it all comes once again, it all comes down to money, doesn't it? Yeah, is that we sort of say about we say about like, oh, well, the top teams have got Champions League football and stuff like that in comparison, but you look at like probably the 80s, late 70s, early 80s, still the European Cup, so had all that going on then as well. It's just the players played in all of them. They respected the FA Cup. They also respected the league. They also respected the Champions League and all these different ones because of the fact that there's a difference now. It actually, especially as you said, for like the FA Cup, you'd actually get more money for finishing 14th, 15th in the Prem than what you do for winning the FA Cup. You actually get more money money for winning the Championship playoffs than what you do for winning the FA Cup. So teams are thinking to themselves, you know what, I'd rather finish 15th in the league and not worry about the FA Cup because I actually get more money and that's that's what it boils down to and it has killed the cup competitions off because the cup competitions have stayed traditional with with what they're trying to do
2: yeah well, I couldn't agree more money so they should maybe improve the prize money or spread it more evenly but yeah I hate the way these disrespectful competitions because at the end of the day. I don't understand making a couple of changes and I'm getting players in, but you know, playing under like I know Liverpool there was a very we we discussed it on previous spots, having to play the youth team that was a crazy you know going to go World Cup we won it so it was justified, but for me still I would have I would have threw the likes of Milner and Origi and a few of other boys in because at the end of the day it's a chance to play for Liverpool for football. But anyway, that's that's another thing we're getting into, Liverpool. um yeah, so that 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 annoys me, me me kind of. Uh, another one that I would mention, which is really, 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 really annoying, is added on time in games. It's never, ever, 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 ever right. So I, I remember doing this. I remember arguing with someone about this. If you think, they added on time for me should be every single time the ball goes out to play
1: mm-hmm.
2: and until the end of the off or the end of the game. So if you think about it, they give like 30 seconds for a sub, fair enough, but it could take a minute for that player to come on and off forever. Could take fifteen seconds. Why I give thirty seconds generally for every sub? Yeah. It doesn't make sense. Second thing, second thing, I would argue: if a player is taking a throw-in, sometimes I've seen players take maybe a minute to take a throw-in, and that happens maybe eight times during during half of a game. But they yeah. give them a minute at the end, to give a minute at the end of the half, that they literally should be as soon as that ball goes out of play until it comes back in. That should be what they've done. So if they have to put on this on. They have to put on the um on the, on the scoreboard three minutes and four seconds. So yeah. that's, that's what you have to do. do you know, I get this old minimal of other time and all that stuff. It just really annoys me. Every time I think at the time it never seemed to be what, what it could be. Yeah. Does that make sense? It really, oh, yeah.
0: really, really annoys really me. As you said, it comes down to averages, doesn't it? I remember they always said that if like a goal is scored, they, gen- they averagely give one minute for a celebration. But as you said, if it's towards the end of a game, sometimes it takes three, four minutes before the ball's kicked off again from the center circle, but yet they only give a minute to 90 seconds as an average for goal celebrations, which is is never going to be accurate. I remember as I, I think I've mentioned it, obviously I mentioned a couple of weeks ago that I used the ref under sixteens. Um, and people always said about that, they always said about added time and, and it was always a bit different. I think it was always it was always funny when you left under 16s, there was times when teams were getting tanked nine one and you'd be like 70 minutes into a game and the manager was going, can you, just, can you just finish? Can you just finish on 75. <laughs> yeah. I remember doing it once that I had the stopwatch, and I was like, Do you know what, every time the ball goes out of play until the ball comes back into play, I'm going to stop the stopwatch, I'm going to restart the stopwatch, because that's the way it should be done. And obviously, you know yourself, someone kicks the ball, takes a shot, goes 15 yards over the bar, and goes into another field somewhere, and everyone has to go get it. I was stopping the stopwatch, stopping the stopwatch. got to the end, 15 minutes at a time. I was like, the, I can see why refs average it out sometimes. It was like a ridiculous amount of out at the time. Like. Right. That's a good insight there. We should, have,
2: we should have asked Damien that when we had him on a couple of weeks ago, but yeah. Um, and then obviously my fourth one, which is the same as you diving, so we've discussed that. We don't really need to discuss it. I hate it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm interested to know, what is your number one pet hate in football, Danny?
0: You know what? Like This is a little bit of a serious one to a certain extent, um, but we'll, we'll see how it goes. I'll try not to make it too serious. My fifth, it's like a real umbrella one. Um, but the thing I probably hate the most in football is the FA. As a whole, <laughs> the FA. Do you know what? Because this is, and, and it comes from our personal perspective, and I think this is the thing around it, is, is the we've already spoke about, the money in it, and it's the same with the FA, you wait for all the rest of it. The corruption that's in football is unreal. And we know yep. that. We know about the money that goes into it, the money that they're paying players, but yeah, not paying... Qatar World Cup says are old, isn't it? Feature, yeah. But anyway, the FA won't. But the FA, for me, it does my head in because it, it, is, it runs football. The, the FA, the IFA, Scottish FA, all the way. You run football from grassroots level all the way up to professional level. And we have a thing in this country called product differentiation, which is all about the fact that every company that has a unique product, there has to be something out there to be able to challenge them. Because it stops you from getting a monopoly over over something. It stops you from, say, if you ran a Windows company and nobody else in the country ran a com- company that sold Windows, you could just charge ridiculous prices and people would be forced to pay them, whether they had yeah. the money for it or not. And we have that for every single product in this country except for football. The FA yeah. runs football from Saturday League football all the way up to Premier League. And there's nothing else about it. And I think one of the things that started me getting really annoyed about it was that I, my first ever managerial role that I'd done was that I managed an open age team. So it was over open 18s team um, playing in the Mercedes Christian League that me and you originally played in. So I ran a team called Stanley Park. Uh, and we done it. I started it not because I love football, because I do love football, but I can play play football myself, I can play for any 18. But because the area that I lived in, in Liverpool, there was a lot of lads who were on anti-social behaviour orders that were getting into for drugs. And, and you know, you, you're from the city, same as me, and there'll be a lot of people listening. Uh, it is quite easy for lads to get involved in, in gang culture and get yep. drawn down a road that they don't want to go down. And I sat there and I thought to myself one day, I said I was like 20, 21 at this point, and I thought to myself, do you know what? We can all moan about it, but maybe I should get up and do something about it. And I was doing youth work at that point. I was in as a full-time youth worker working in a place called Kirkdale, for those who are from the pool who know it. Um, and I was working in Kirkdale and Bootle. Um, and I thought to myself, do you know what? If I if I want to do something about it, I need to put my money where my mouth is. So I started a football team specifically for lads to get them off the streets, to get them into something that's going to be beneficial for them, doing training with them, getting them into the league football. Um, and we had an issue where one of the lads who uh, was playing with us. He wasn't long out of prison. Um, he had all sorts of, so, not all sorts, but he had a little bit of mental health problems. Um, but generally, he was a good guy. He just, he'd just gone through a lot of rough stuff, bad family backgrounds, different things like this. And uh, he had a game where the referee was brutal. Just real, just one of those, just cocky, arrogant type of people. And you could see that he was frustrating this guy who was playing up front for us, and he was a great player, he just got on the back of him for no reason. And literally towards the end of the game, our lad went in, slide tackled this boy, and he did. He slide tackled him, and he got him. He, he missed the ball, clean took out this guy just on the left-hand side of the park. Yellow card, free kick, not a problem. Ref went over, straight red, straight on the bat, And we were like, what, what on earth? The lads completely lost it. Jumped up, started pushing the ref, telling him he was going to kill him and all this different stuff. We dragged him off the pitch. Um, and, the, and about two weeks later, anyway, just to go past that, the, about two weeks later, I got a letter from the FA and they said, your player got a red card. This is as fine. Everyone gets fined the same. Whether you get a red card in South League football or whether you get a red card in the Premier League, it's the same fine. But he said, right, the, right. the referee had submitted a report to say that this guy was particularly abusive. So the FA just decided that they were gonna fine us two hundred pounds. And I was like, Oh, wait there a minute, like I I don't have two hundred pounds to be able to pay you. And he's like, This lad's yeah. gotta this lad's gotta pay the fine, otherwise he, he can't play Saturday League football anymore because he won't be under an FA an FA registration. Yeah. So I was like, Well, the lad at that point we knew that there was other there was a lot of issues with this lad and I was working with him and I said to him, Look, I can't have you Telling the, telling the ref he's going to kill him so we we'd told him he wasn't going to play then for the rest of the season and we were work with him for next season and I said to them look this is the situation I've I've kicked the lad out of the team he's not going to play um, can we waive the fine because because I'm doing this as a charity thing I haven't got no money to be able to pay £200 and they just yeah. wrote back and were like this is what the fine is every 30 days that you don't pay it, um, you, your your fine's going to go up and up and up and we're going to cancel your FA registration so your team wow, won't be wow. able to play anymore And the thing is, is that the FA are literally judge, jury, and executioner. So they make the rules. I can't go to anybody and say, look, this is what's happening. It's unfair. Can there be some sort of, like, rethink about this? Because the only people you can talk to is the FA who go, no, that's what we've said, and that's it. And our FA, it ended up in the end, our FA license got canceled. And I wasn't able to put a football team into a, a league in the entire country because there's no leagues in the country that aren't run by the FA. And that's it. That's so awesome. I get me saying, if there was maybe even
2: amateur football or league football, there was a different kind of time of, of governing bodies. You could go, well, actually, you know what? We've got an amateur team that are decent. We're not going to go through the... We might enter the FA Cup, but we'll just enter that different league, that different organisation. Is that mm-hmm. what you're kind of getting at? So, yeah, you can't do that,
0: yeah, yeah, you can't do that. No, you can, if you if you aren't registered with the FA, you can't have a football team. Well, and if the very... FA decide to cancel your registration, you just can't put a football team into any league. So I ended up with all those lads who had all had different problems, different issues. And they all went back out into the streets, started joining gangs, went down all sorts of different roads. And It just it really infuriated me to know that that. that was happening, and there was nothing I could do about it at all. And in the end, I ended up having to pay the fine out of my own pocket because the FA were threatening to take me to court, and there was nothing that I could do about it. There was no one that I could go to who was like a, an independent body to be able to fix. Wow,
2: well, I, do you know what Danny? I mean, see, you do, do. Oh, I'm going to give you my top one now, and it's just, <laughs> I, I feel like um, I feel like it's nothing, but I have to say, <laughs> well put. And I think um, when you think about football on a high level, and you think about the FA. I don't think anyone likes them. And uh, I've never, I'll be honest, I've never actually been in that situation, but I think anyone listening to this now, particularly me, as a good friend of yours, can understand the frustration. Um, and what, what we won't go into too much, but what people, again, don't realise all the time, people listening may realise if you've been in that position, running a football team and all that stuff, the amount of work that goes in, and for all that to just be quashed mm. for, for, for someone probably sitting there in an the office being like, I'm not actually going to read into this, you know what I mean? But so, yeah, hey, point well done. And, hey, I'd say there'd be a lot of people agreeing with you. I'm going to give my number one now, which is... um <laughs> Lighting the mood, that'd be good. <laughs> my pet hate in football. So this is not... This is me personally. This is probably not most people personally. But mine is commentators, all right? Okay. And this doesn't matter if you're Gary Neville, if you're Jamie Carragher, if you're Ali McCoy, whoever you are, whatever network, whatever channel, Steve McMahon, whoever you are, I hate the way if you're a really good player and you've got a good reputation, I'm going to name some players here. The likes of your Neymars, the likes of your Messi's, Ronaldo's, mm. Gerrard and his peak, Lampard and his peak, Terry, you know, all these top boys, top players, every single time a commentator's comment, they big them up that much. And as soon as they make a mistake, it's like, I'll give you an example. I, I can't remember the exact player or the exact uh, referee, but it was, um, it, it was, sorry, the exact commentator, but I was watching a uh, game of the Euros, um, it was Ronaldo's playing in it, mm. and uh, a player called Ricardo Charisma. In this game, Ronaldo wasn't playing great. You know, he didn't really do anything spectacular. But every time he made a mistake, it was like, oh, Ronaldo's tried this, Ronaldo's tried that. And then Charisma made the same mistake, and it's just like, awful ball by Charisma. But if it was Ronaldo, it would be like, oh, Ronaldo tried the ball, there, didn't quite yeah. pay off. You just see where I'm getting at this. Rain Rooney's another example. When Rain Rooney gets on a football pitch, Wayne Rooney can take a free kick and go sky high, and it would be like, oh, Wayne Rooney's missed that one, but he scored one of his last six free kicks. So it was someone else, and he hit an eye over. Like, that was an awful attempt. And it just happens in commentators. Every single one of them does it. Since he's a big player with a big, big reputation, they're almost scared of, like, saying anything bad. The, the best you'll ever get from them was like, oh, well, Neymar's not had his best game today. And yeah. that's like... The played absolutely awful. If that was just like, I don't know, Daven and Gog or or I don't know, <laughs> you know, somewhere someone where he's not got the reputation that they have. Mm. It's almost like it's written in these players' contracts and the commentators can't have quote them. It's almost yeah. like you feel there's like a contract clause saying Clive Tilsley and you know, whoever, Martin Tyler can't criticize me in a match. It just seems
0: unbelievable. And I, I, people have got to have noticed it. Have you never noticed it? Oh I have, yeah. And I think especially at the other end as well is that you see it quite a lot. I remember specifically, when was it? It was 2000. 2013, 2014, something like that. I don't know if you remember it. Um, Maynor Figueroa smacked the ball. It was Wigan v Stoke. Um, They got a foul on the left-hand side of the pitch. In their own half, Wigan got a a free kick. Smacked the ball straight off, over the top, beat the keeper, back of the net. And they were like, oh, what a great goal by Maynor Figueroa. Wayne Rooney scored a similar goal from the halfway line for Everton. It's been classed as one of the greatest goals of all time. It's like it was the exact <laughs> yeah. same goal, but it's like because it was Figueroa in Wigan v Stoke, and the other one was Wayne Rooney. It, it was totally different caliber, and it was like it was probably one of the greatest goals that we'll ever see in football. It's like it was the same type of goal, but as you said, yeah, you, yeah, you get absolute belters going in from players that play for for Bournemouth and, and teams like that. It's like oh, well, that's a bit of a shock, isn't it? Messi scores the same type of goal and we heard about it for years. And and this, well, and well. it's not that it's not <laughs> their fault. Because like, the players are just scoring goals and the goals are both quality. It's the commentators that absolutely big it up. Well, that's the
2: thing. It just annoys me. And as I say, this particular incident, it just got me my nerves because, you know, Ronaldo done the same mistakes, but you he get praise for effort. But charisma does not and he gets absolutely slaughtered. And it's just, yeah. it just happens all the time. And it's not it just doesn't just happen to... It happens every league. You know, even like... Remember David Beckham? used to play for England. And I loved David Beckham back in the day before I was naive and hated, hated watching my country. <laughs> but I mean, it was like David Beckham was like Mr. England and he couldn't say anything bad against him. Do you know what yeah. I mean? But then as soon as I maybe... Owen Hargreaves was the same thing or Michael Carrick does the same thing. You get they get absolutely slaughtered. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And it's just I yeah, anyway, it's just, you know, it really, really irritates me that the best players have like a it's the same with Salah. Uh, mo most Salah. I've seen some most Salah flipper do some awful things mm. and and make be so greedy. It's not like you shouldn't have done that. Oh that was so greedy, it was like, Oh, he opted to shoot.
1: And it's, yeah. so annoying, it's
2: like if that was a riggy or oh, oh, as it says, Ricky Lambert Yeah. oh I was so greedy by Ricky Lambert it so greedy by me it just really <laughs> annoys me the way they do that and it's every commentator every match every league every competition and it's just I hate it so so much like just yeah. be the same all the players you know <laughs> yeah well there you go so that's my number one pet item football this the commentators but hey listen so um, we're going to take a little break now and then we've got Matthew Purchase next but hey it was interesting discussing it, Danny and it's, uh, I just wonder what other people think you know as, as usual, you can write in at Ammo and Danny's Irish Anfield Road that's one word Ammo and Danny's Irish Anfield Road at gmail.com but yeah um, we'll catch you in a wee while Right, folks. Welcome back to Ammo and Danny's Irish Anfield Road. Right, so our special guest today, um, as we've mentioned before, is Matthew Purchase. Hello, Matthew. Hi. Hey, how are you guys? Not too bad. How are you? Hi,
0: man.
3: Yeah, all right for the lockdown, really. You know, it's chun- chuntering
2: on, is on it. <laughs> that's it. That's it. We're, we're getting along. We've good news: the football's coming back on the seventeenth, and then obviously Liverpool on the twentieth. But as you know, guys, we have we have guests every week. Um, Or most weeks. But we try to get guests that are relevant. And uh, I think over the last couple of weeks, I've enjoyed all our guests. But I've been really looking forward to getting you on, Matthew. Because Matthew, if if people don't know, he follows Liverpool home and away. He is one of these supporters that puts his money where his mouth is. He he goes every single game. Matthew, I've even seen on your social media, go to the the League Cup games away, the FA Cup games away. Matthew does not miss a Liverpool match. He's as big a Liverpool fan as you could imagine. And he obviously finances... Under-18s, under-23s. There you go. He's just as big as, well. as you can imagine. Um, so yeah, Matthew. Basically, my first question to you, and I, I mean, I have to ask this: is I mean, are you a secret millionaire? Because it must cost you a fortune.
3: Um, not not a secret millionaire, no. Um, it's, it's, it's 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 all about preparation, budgeting, working everything out, finding ways to sort of save money for yourself, sort of like travel when it comes to like sort of food, things like that, being very sort of frugal when it comes to like food. So rather than like going out and spending say 60, 70 quid on a weekly food shop, I can sometimes get what I need and, you know, spread it out across like three or four days for like 20 quid. Hmm. Right. So, more for the
2: 40s. You know. well, it must cost a fortune if it's like, you know, on a Tuesday you're going to the, to London and then, on, on, on a Friday, you know, another side of the country and then you might have a midweek game in Anfield for the Champions League and, you know, well, how, how does work, work, like, work around that? How, you know, a work, do
3: work work with you or...? Yeah, generally been quite lucky over the years with with the sort of jobs I've had. I mean, my most serious job that I had where I was working for, like, five years from, like, the early 2010s to the middle of them, um, I literally used to use all of my annual leave for going the game in midweek. So, if we yeah. had remember. Like taking two days off to go and watch Liverpool play Southampton in the League Cup when we beat them six one and just mm-hmm. have to clock them in um i t- I took the, the Wednesday and Thursday off um like if we had a Champions League game or I'd finish early so like where where I work now and obviously because I only live quite close to the ground it's a lot it's obviously a lot better for me as well like not be you know home games, I can just finish work and go to the home games um so it's not sort of like having to find like two days there but obviously for a way again so like when, when I went to Chelsea in the League Cup which was the last away I did because um, obviously demand has peaked obviously this P- is P- P- two, got me 200 P- two on, didn't they, unfortunately um, yeah um, Adrian crazy kick yes <laughs> um, so what I did with that one is i worked half a day so I worked till 12 o'clock then I drove from work which is in St. Allen which is about 10 miles from Liverpool drove to um, Mason Angel which is well, half a mile from where I live. And and then we got in his car and we just drove straight down and we ended up driving back straight after the game. And I ended up going into work in the morning for nine o'clock. Man. Wow. <laughs> Isn't mad, Danny? Isn't that mad? Is
0: pro- that is proper commitment. And that's what, like, I just can't fathom it. I took an annual leave day last year to do Christmas shopping for my wife. And my wife was fuming that I didn't take it off to be with her. Nearly got divorced. I just couldn't imagine <laughs> to go down south to watch Liverpool. I like, wouldn't have a family when I came back. You've you, you have a young child yourself, haven't you, as
2: well? I, I have, too.
3: yeah. three, three, three year old who obviously um, I talked to his first Liverpool game uh, when he was one, took him to the Berry friendly. Um, <laughs> ah, yes. Um, former well, Berry? <laughs> just no more former club yeah. Um, yeah. So he's got something, obviously, when he's been ordered to back on, um, ended up meeting um, was Dominic Matteo and Dean Zornas, and he had his pictures with them. Um, but it was quite quite a good sort of mirror image because my very first game was Man City away, which was nil nil. So it was like a greater Manchester away nil <laughs> nil. It was just quite ironic. It's a bit like the concert. My dad's first concert was Meridian. My first concert was Meridian. So...
1: very it,
0: good. It Interesting because like, obviously, like I've got two kids. I've got a five year old who is like mental into Liverpool. Spoke about it on the podcast before. Like I, we were over in Liverpool last year, and for Liverpool, win the Champions League, obviously to stay last year um, and we had her there for the trophy like going through the streets and all and yeah. um, she's seen she was shouting up I've got her absolutely brainwashed that if you said to her who's your favourite player she says James Milner and you say why <laughs> James Milner and she says because cause he's an engine and she just knows that <laughs> by heart and when the bus was coming past I was like oh there's James Milner and she was on my shoulder, started screaming for him and he seen her and waved at her and that was it she's been lost ever since um, it's just That's brilliant, that. But the question, sorry, the question that I'm eventually getting to to ask you, is um, what what appeals to you more: the first time that you went to Anfield, or the first time you took your son to Anfield? Because I can imagine that is some experience.
3: Yeah, um, the first time, the first time I took him to Anfield. Um, obviously, when he was born, I think he was four days old, and we took him um, in his carry cot um, to Anfield for the first time. Oh, wow. uh, and then around the shop and got his first kit with his name and obviously uh, 16, which was the date of March that he was born in. Um, and then obviously I was, like, I was luckily able to get tickets for the charity game against AC Milan. Oh,
0: yeah.
3: Uh, which front row as well. Uh, so the Gerard score. Where Gerard scored right at the end. And obviously he ran right towards us after me. And obviously I had my lad in my arms, so that was really, really special. And obviously, hopefully... In the not-too-distant future, I'll be able to obviously take it to like a competitive game. But, you know, it's just about you know little things. So I was talking to Steve, the under-23s. It was an awful game. I think we lost 2-0 to Blackburn. But he, he, he like met Mighty Red and so he absolutely you know had a, bu- had, a, had a buzz in time. And it's all about those sort of memories for
2: him. Well, as I say, I think known how big of a Liverpool fan you are, Matthew, he um, he definitely would be brought up the right way, is it, as a Liverpool fan? Just to let everyone kind of know listening and here how me and Matthew met, is um, we actually did an advert for Coca-Cola um, and we were paid to go on the ferry across the Mersey and sing Liverpool songs all day. We got paid for it. We were for Coca-Cola. We got free free food. And uh, you were actually poked from outside the ground, weren't you, Matthew? You, yeah, the you um,
3: yeah, D- Divokarigi uh, Merseyside Derby, which is obviously uh, v- strided in fame now. And um, obviously I did writing out a club it, which seems to have disappeared off the face of the earth um but basically i was literally sat outside the church stuffing my face with chips and this woman come up to me and she was like uh, are you free on thursday and i thought it was a wind-up at first i thought oh someone's having a laugh here Some- someone knows me and they've got the mate to come and play a joke <laughs> this thing saying oh if you're free do you want to come and be in this coca-cola advert and i was like yeah why not and obviously i've come across obviously met you and a few of the other people and Obviously we had a great laugh on the boat and obviously. Well, I mean it's one
2: of those moments and after I mean from a personal experience, I know Danny's probably sitting there like a bit Ur. I was lucky enough, like the Coca-Cola flew me over from Ireland to, to, to Liverpool. They put me up in a hotel, he had a chauffeur, and I was sitting there and I was thinking, right uh, my life's just at the peak, it doesn't get no better than this. And then as if by magic, I woke up next day and I got paid to sing Liverpool songs. <laughs> and I was like, my life, like that's the peak of my life. That's like, you know, if I die tomorrow, that that's the peak of my life. And like meeting you, like well, our fans on the ferry across the Mersey, it was brilliant. We just took over the ferry across the Mersey and we just literally sung Liverpool songs and we were getting filmed and it was, don't get me wrong, the wind is against our faces, but it wasn't some experience.
3: It was an amazing experience, and I mean, um, obviously, I, I one of my memories is when we were sort of um, down down in the sort of deck there, and obviously, we weren't filming, but I was just like chanting Alison's name, and just like all the staff just getting the phones out and recording me, just going,
0: Alison, ah, Alison, ah, Alison, ah. Alison.
3: Yeah, it was... But it, you could sort it, of see I'm... those that were... Obviously, fans knows that would just say actors and who were just sort of being recruited on the day. You could sort of see the difference in passion and.
2: I mean, I think it was showing up until maybe six months ago, and you you, put, you will be able to Google it, and you can just see. We took over the, fer- the ferry across the maze and just saw the little fans singing. It was, it was unbelievable. But as I say, it was. I remember sitting there that day and I met everyone. And you know, we 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 met. We other become friends on social media, and it just occurred to me. I don't think I've met anyone in my life that is. Um, a bigger Liverpool fan to you, which leads me on to our next point. You actually do articles for the Redmen TV and other various platforms, don't you, Matthew?
3: I have done, yeah. Um, I've not so much done many recently because I try and make my articles slightly different to what you normally would find in the mainstream. I try and do it from sort of my perspective, my opinion, um, rather than clogging it up with like, oh, Liverpool have announced this, Liverpool have announced that. So a lot of my articles that I tend to write seem to be around... Normally around the ticketing side of things, because obviously for me going home and away and find how easy, how hard to get tickets for certain games, things like that, and um, witnessing a lot of the scams um, that I see on social media, I try and sort of give that a bit of a platform because you'll see loads and loads of people um, that just jump on the bandwagon who are like, oh, I could never get tickets for Liverpool, all of this, and it's like... Do you know how to get tickets do you know where you should be looking and all of this oh no I've got put like 500 pounds off this live football website and it's like yeah that's not the Liverpool ticket website have you got a membership what's a membership and um, so I just sort of try and help people avoid being scammed or like highlight the massive inequality with the demand um the prices the exploitation really of the fans um mm. I did I, I, I mean the website that you used to host them a lot which was the Fields Vampire its foresight um, which is on Twitter, they had a bit of a website refresh and it seems to wipe most of my articles out. <laughs> which was a bit right,
2: okay. But tell me this, I mean, from like me and Danny obviously both scouts as we know it works. We've been to plenty of Liverpool games in the past. But I mean now with the success of the team, I mean, up until before this pandemic, the tickets for the you know, the last game of the season or the last home game of the season, am I right in saying they were going for five or ten thousand pounds?
3: On the black market they were. Um whether they were even genuines a massive sort of question. I mean, I did an article back in January, which sort of highlighted sort of the prices that they were going for them was sort of like five grand. And then people saying for the Chelsea game because it, you know it was it was nailed on. We were winning the league. Um, all of a sudden, you know, I've, I've I've been obviously when we've been challenging for the title back in two thousand eight, two thousand nine, two thousand thirteen, fourteen. I've been there. I've seen the way the demands have sort of picked up and dropped um, from my own personal experience, where i 've sort of struggled for tickets, that sort of thing, and by obviously me dropping in and out of like the guaranteed ladder as well it 's allowed me to sort of see where things are better, not better uh, obviously going away before the price cap came in obviously now uh, away tickets are like gold dust um you have to have like really really good contacts um just to even get get a hold of them um if you 've not got the credits yourself because it 's just Back in, before that, you know, a ticket to like Arsenal, West Ham, Spurs would be like 60 quid. And then by the time you chucks in your train ticket to London, unless you're a coach, or and even with your coach, that's quite expensive, you know, it's, it's soon getting priced. But as soon as they've dropped, it's like 30 quid maximum. And then because of knowing sometimes in advance, you can get like, your you, you travel source is pretty cheaper. So all of a sudden, where you'd normally be picking up the spares, they're not even turning up as well. And obviously... Right. Even-
2: I would just to build your point up. Danny, have you been to many um, away days for Liverpool before?
0: Or? No, as you said, one of the things, especially over here, like it's easy enough being over here, you could go home all the way. But as you said, over the last few years, especially, it is gold just to get tickets. It's impossible to be able to get anything. Um, and I suppose my question is, what would you say is that your main piece of advice you would give to someone in terms
3: of if they were... Would- the main piece of advice would be always go direct through the club, never sort of frequent these touts. It might be a bit more disappointing, might be a bit more harder work, but for me, it's always... That, and that, again, stems from the way I am with my articles. I, I, you know, I'll never go to a tout. I'll never sort of... Pay stupid prices because, you know, I'd rather miss a game than sort of fork out four or five hundred quid. Potentially, it's not even end up with tickets. So I'd always say that if you're looking for home games, away, away games is a massive close shot unless you really know somebody genuine. I mean, I, I'm lucky enough to know a couple of people, but even for me, it's getting harder to sort of go to a ways. I mean, there's people I know who've been going home and away since before I started even going, you know, a, a, as a kid who have been asking on um, like social media this season for help to get tickets to the Aways for them. You know, people have been going like 15-plus years and they're struggling. So for me, to be like, right, look, first of all, get a Liverpool membership. Yep. Okay, they are over-subscribed subs- at the minute, which is another bone of contention because Liverpool just keeps selling it, selling it, selling it. Yep. But as long as you're not too fussed about what sort of game, as long as you try, you've got a chance before we started challenging for the titles under the clock and stuff, the chances were a hell of a lot better. Obviously, right now, every man and his dog, I mean, you'll see people just having to refresh every single day just to get their tickets for home, you know, when they drop them. It's not an exact science anymore. You know, there used to be a little hint on the website to how you could beat the queue. Liverpool found out about that, closed off that little avenue because mm-hmm. uh, there used to be a little sheet where if you logged in, I used to use it myself where you used to be able to log in, say say the sale was 8 15 um, and this was back when I, when I lived back at home so we're going back a few years now when I lived back at home uh, with me and mum and dad and my dad used to be on morning so he used to get up at like 5 o'clock so I used to tell my dad stick the ticket site up and then by the time I got up at 7 o'clock the page had already been up so by the time it comes to 8.15 I'd be in within 2 or 3 minutes um, it's right. been completely random now um, when the sales has gone so literally just, just it's a game of luck but the only way to sort of guarantee it is have a membership and have a go you know, you can't if, if you don't have a membership, you've got no chance of getting a ticket in your own name through the club.
2: And um, tell me this, Matthew, I mean, diverting away from the tickets a little bit here type of thing. Um, I asked Danny about going to away games. Well, personally, I've only been to about three or four away games in my whole life. Believe it or not, plenty of home games, but the away games have been on the buses and the coaches. And isn't the atmosphere on the buses and the coaches, isn't it the best ever? Like all the fans
3: singing. Yeah, and... it, but that's the thing about away days. Sometimes you don't have to win. The game to have like an amazing day. I mean, I, I was at Gerrard's last game, Stoke away, and that's probably the worst game I've sort of been to in terms of results wise. But it was, but it's a weird one because the sort of atmosphere. It scored. It scored. Yeah, well he, well, he scored thanks to was it to saying, "Oh, I hurt my hamstring" or something, so yeah. Gerrard just passed him. But <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it don't matter how it come, but. It's weird because obviously you look at that result and you think, oh, what an awful day, you know, oh, horrible. But then you think at half-time, the fans were just absolutely going mental in the concourse, like chanting Rafa Benitez's name, um, everything like that. And that's the sort of memories you take from it. You don't take the fact, oh, you've got absolutely trounced 6-1. You know, it's it's, it's like, the, it's, it's some you know, it's weird. I mean, to be, at a, to be able to say you've seen your team play in the same shirt and win 6-1 and lose 6-1 at an away game. Because it was we were debuting our new away shirt for the following season which is when we won the 6-1 against uh, Southampton in the league. Yeah. a couple of times, the same yeah.
2: shirt so uh, well, that's, that's a good way to suppose. so tell me this Matthew so um, who is your favourite Liverpool player and why and then also tell me your favourite
3: game and why so my favourite Liverpool player of all time has to be Robbie Fowler um, when, I, when I was first being brought into obviously Liverpool through, through, through my uncle my dad, my granddad. As every as everyone around here is obviously brought, obviously comes, comes through the family. You know, my my uncle was the most most fierce sort of um, driver because um, he used to obviously go go home and occasionally away uh, back in the early nineties. Um, so he was like, in the programs, give me the programs and stuff like that. He, he, he brought me my first shirt, um, but obviously my first sort of memories are Robbie Fowler, Michael Owen, sort of um Kate K- came on to see me and obviously Michael Owen did wonderful things for us but for me it's the first footballer I physically remember sort of seeing banging in the goals is <laughs> Rob Dalla and it's with the stage and that's why for me he is my favourite sort of player in terms of my favourite game now it's very controversial because I was at the famous Barcelona game which obviously we all know, and everyone's like, if you were there, why, why is that not it? Why is that not it? But I will, I will always say my favourite game was Liverpool 4, Dortmund 3, the Europa League. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <And> That's
3: so <laughs> funny, because we know who scored the winning goal. And I'll just
2: let you know, Matthew, Danny hates Dejan Lovren. He hates him. Uh, I like Dejan.
3: It, yeah. uh, and it, it's for <laughs> a number of reasons. My seat for the Europa League that year was right behind the dugout. There was literally me, a steward. And then there was the bench, so I used to have chats with, pep, you know, pep Linders, And obviously, sometimes you get like a cheeky wink or a little chat with the players. They sometimes, you know, we were on the bench, things like that. And in particular, the Dortmund game, it was it was a surreal experience because obviously we fell 2-0 very quickly. So it's one of those where we sort of came, you know, we sort of come back. And what was quite surreal was I got caught on TV going for a week just before sacco goal And... <laughs> It came back on uh, during this lockdown. I think it was BC Sport showed like four Liverpool games in the space of like three hours. Yeah. And it chose to show like an hour highlight show of that Dortmund game. And on that highlight show, it actually physically showed me again, coming down the stairs to go for that wee just before Losaco. So that's... <laughs> obviously, there's me walking past the clock, going for a wee and then obviously because Sean had gone down injured. So I thought, I've got enough time here because by the time they sorted him out and then obviously I'm, I'm, I'm halfway there and then all of a sudden, you know, the stand shaking. I'm like, what? <laughs> what's happened? What's happened? Um, and then obviously they've ended up, obviously, obviously it's ended up being 3-3 and obviously right at the end. So this is the reason why I'm just about toxic is just for this physical experience was Lovren scored that winner. I've gone running. I, I literally was going to jump on the clock I literally was going to run and jump on because where I was the sta- I, literally my seat was there the stairs were there there was the pitch entrance where Klopp was sort of celebrating so he just grabbed Bobby like that because Bobby's gone to go running down I've gone to go bang on the pitch and as I've done I've just caught something from the side Someone shout and this player's play. this player's sort of celebrating but then Adam Lallana's on his own and I've sort of gone Adam! and like put my arms out and he's come and he's literally bear hugged me and pulled me into the Actual dugout to celebrate Lovren's win with him, and it's just su- such a surreal moment. And I literally emailed like Liverpool, wow. FIFA, ITV, BT, trying to get footage of that. And every camera has literally because of Lovren and Tot, they've literally focused on everything, and there's literally no camera footage. I literally emailed, oh, wow. oh, and it was just like it was just such a surreal experience. And then obviously, what was quite funny is i was still in that job um, where I used to use it for me leave and stuff. I mean, mate texted me because obviously I was trying to get hold of um, Lovren's shirt. So obviously I'm there, sort of grabbing my shirt, like trying to ask Lovren for his shirt and he just throws it over my head. Oh, no way. Wow. Just for that experience, that's why for me, Dortmund tops Barcelona and it's literally just for that experience with Lalana celebrating that winner because it's just...
2: That is there. That, for me, Matthew. That's one of the best football stones I've ever heard. I'm sure Danny would agree. That's, we, we often say in this podcast about, you know, we, we do this, we don't make money out of this, we don't do it because, you know, there've any other reason apart from my passion for football. And it's just great to have people like yourself to have that. You'll never forget that experience.
3: No, it's um, something that will stay, stay with me and it's something that, you know, it gives me a bit more of an affinity as well towards Lallana because obviously a lot of people give him a lot of stick. I remember seeing when he came on against Man United and I, I, I flicked on to I, 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 obviously because I struggled for Premier League this, this year. I was watching it in a pub with a Man City fan who I used to work with um, and I literally flicked Twitter on and everyone was going oh, what's he bringing Alana on and I was thinking give him a chance and then he scores the equaliser. And everyone was like a fantastic break to see and, and that's sort of why for me I sort of you know I went I mean, I don't really unduly criticise players anyway. I know, um, Sean, you just mentioned Danny doesn't like Lovren, so he, So uh, maybe you should have used that picture instead that I sent you of me and Lovren outside Palace. <laughs> 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 yeah, I mean, Danny
2: is just, I mean, has, has that changed your opinion on Lovren? He creates some happy happy memories from Matthew there, Danny, or are you still very much in the... Lovren Brigade or not nope (laughs) (laughs) yeah I mean he just doesn't like Lovren but
0: yeah I mean he was was amazing in that game to be fair he was very very good and to score the winner and I think I said that when we had this discussion about him is that yeah I'm not a great fan of Lovren don't really like the way he plays but you can't take away from the fact that he became a bit of a Liverpool legend in that moment when he scored that goal against Dortmund
2: yeah it was the celebration as well where he just kind of dived into the grass it was Mm. It, it was all, almost for me vindication because he took so much stuff. You know? I think the thing about Lovren, I and mean, we don't want to go back, like, sidestep too much. I think the thing about Lovren for me, I think he's he's in good company at Liverpool. I don't think he's out of his place or out of his depth. But what I do think is he tries to be like Van Dyke and he tries to be like Hagger and he tries to play and he can't. He's just a great defender. And if that's where he did nothing else. You know what I mean? But yeah, that's another day, another discussion. But anyway, <laughs> also, Matthew,
3: just Just to create such a showing nat- Sean, as well, is. The thing that people don't seem to recall as well is at the time of that Dortmund game Lovren was going through a very bitter divorce as well with his ex-partner as well so there was a lot of personal stuff so he could literally have just gone into that game had his head down not even focused but he's come into it you know, there, you know I'm not going to go into the actual details thing, things got reposted again when he joined Twitter again like Two, three weeks ago, um, about uh, you know, they, they brought it all back on, but you know, he was not in a good place like mentally as well. So, for him to like come and do that,
2: fair just, enough, yeah. So, Matthew, so me and Danny were just discussing beforehand, you know, um, what we would change for football. So, see, Danny always hated about football and stuff. And Danny hates the way the FA run everything. I hate the way commentators always big up, you know, big players. I used an example in the Euros a few years ago, the way. Um, Ronaldo was trying stuff, and every time it didn't come off, it was like, "Oh, Ronaldo's tried this, but it hasn't come off." But then Ricardo Quaresma was on the same pitch as Ronaldo. He tried it. And it was like, oh, "That's an awful pass." That's my all. So then, that's my hate. What would you, if you had to change a couple of things for football, what you hate? What, what,
3: what would what would they be? Um, it's tricky. I mean, I think the one for me is the first one that comes to mind is getting rid of like this simulation stuff. I mean, it's. It's not something you want to see. and I mean, some of them are like... We did mention it. We did mention it. (laughs) You know what I mean? Some are so, so blatant. I mean, I'm going back to Liverpool Spurs um, season four last, I think it was. Um, Salah scored an absolute beaut to put us 2-1 up. Spurs had missed the penalty. And then, obviously, was it... So Kane had died for the first one, hadn't he? And he literally, literally I think, it, was it Carey's been goal for us at the time? Uh, and he'd literally just jumped over him. But then you had, um, was it Lamella, where Lovren sort of gone lifted his left leg up? And Lamella sort of just like flopped. And he's not, and he doesn't even look like any contact. Yeah. And it's just like, for me, it's just like those sort of simulations. And I did see one, um, Sky Sports keep putting up something on their Twitter about you're the ref. Was this a penalty? Was this a red card? And there was one. And literally, he's like, literally gone past the keeper and then just fell. And it's just like, how can you give a penalty when someone's so blatant? You can understand, to some extent, players playing towards it or they see a leg, so they put their leg towards it to, you know, to force the contact to get the penalty. But it's those where there's clearly no contact. You know, then it's not like they're diving to get out of the way. You know, it's a contact sport. I've either get tuck out and get the penalty properly, or just don't have it?
2: Aye, we were saying about sometimes, like in the past, even Gerard's left his legging and stuff like that, we, we actually mentioned the same things about dives and simulation, but if you had to pick one thing that you would eradicate from the game, or you just, your pet ate, you personally, what would
3: you pick? That would be one of them, um, the other thing would be the sort of referees that always sort of have agendas against either teams or players. Um, without going into with too many names, I mean, I mean, we, we, we've obviously seen it happen to ourselves, certain big incidents uh, involving us where maybe the referees may be from a certain uh, area, a little bit down the Eastlands from myself, um, <laughs> who may give a decision against uh, a certain club. Um, this doesn't just happen with Liverpool. Um, sometimes it'll happen with the smaller clubs when they are playing, say, a Liverpool or they're playing, say, a Man United or a City where they may not get the rubber to green and that for me is where the inconsistency. you know if you're refereeing a game it shouldn't matter whether it's Liverpool Man City or whether it's Burnley Totten do you know what I mean yeah. if, if it's a foul you give a foul you don't give a foul one way and then the other um, like I was watching um, last night they showed Liverpool Man City twenty thirteen fourteen, 14 Coutinho uh, winner yeah. and Suarez was booked like, for his first tackle inside like four or five minutes and then Man City like making tackles, which were probably just as bad, and the referee didn't give a yellow card straight away. You think was, his reputation preceded them, take a thing? A little bit, yeah, a little bit like that. But again, you've, you've seen it happen with other players. You know, they have they have reputations. The referee will just give them a card because it's them.
0: Well,
2: there you go. <laughs> that's that's Matthew Purchase there, guys. I mean, thank you so much for coming on, Matthew. I mean, it was it was good to get an insight of you know the home and away and and I, I would imagine now with the lockdown, the kind of will finish off on this. Um, is it, are you happy to see football or do you think it would be weird watching the football with no fans or how do you feel about that
3: for me personally it's horrible um, one thing that people always say about me is you know how I don't really like watching it on telly um, I like being there that way, when I'm watching it people are like you're not at the game calm down <laughs> Yeah, you know, 'cause because I will it's you just treat it on there it's something that's got to happen because of the nature of the world sadly um, but for me I, I hate it I mean Obviously, I was at the Atletico game, that was my last game, and by some sheer poetic irony, that Morata winner for 3-2 was the 500th goal I'd seen in live Liverpool matches.
1: Wow. So, it's like,
3: it's like how weird that they would stop the football after that, rather than me being stuck on, say, four nine nine. You know, he would score that, and then they'd stop the football, so... It's um, it's 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 a horrible one. Um, I just want to get back going because you know it's what it's, it's my main social activity. You know what I mean? Like going to match on the weekend or on the week. You know, it's it's my main social activity. It's what I sort of build up from weekend. Like you know, I'll you know plan stuff around. It's like right, like when I'm You're going again.
2: Fair enough. Well, listen, Matthew. Um, I'm sure I speak to myself and Danny and saying that was really interesting. I think we're both a little bit jealous the fact that you get to go all the time. Um but yeah, we'll live
0: our dreams through you a little bit, won't we, Danny? Oh yeah, no, and I really appreciate it, especially because as you said, and especially that little insight with the Dortmund game and different things like that, is that it's easy enough for us to have an opinion and so many people, listeners, to, to have an opinion on football, but you've been there. You see it happen, even with the insight into refs making decisions on certain players, you see it live, you're in the moment. Uh, and I've seen that so many times. So to have the insight and view of someone who is as avid a supporter as you are um is was was amazing to be able to listen to so I appreciate you coming and on. I, I, I think <laughs> um, I think I'll
2: send a photo of you and daan lovrenon uh, to Danny Matthew, so we have to use that as as our as, as our picture for our our podcast which is quite yeah, funny. that was
3: outside, that was outside palace after again another controversial decision it was uh, Ben Seke where he uh, went down in stages to win the penalty and then he scored oh uh, yes. That I remember. There you I've, go. got, but, I've got, I've got, have got bitter memories of that game because I caught Firmino's shirt um, in the, in the away and and someone's pulled it at the same time. I've gone flying it, so I've lost the shirt. Wow! Oh, so, well, so, well
2: I tell you something for nothing, Matthew.
3: Outside, so I
2: I'll tell you something for nothing, Matthew. I think it will be rude not to have you on again because I mean, the stories that you have are just. We we, we could be here for another hour, but unfortunately, our time has kind of run out here. But anyway, um, thank you so much. Um, stay safe. Take care. Thank you. Um, you. Thank, you thank you to listen to Ammo and Danny's Irish Road.
1: Sports Social Podcast Network.